And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich. Good day, Dan. And Dr. John Vance. Happy to be here, Dan. Well, gentlemen, it's nice to have you here on a Saturday. You know, this program within the milieu of theology, current events, and history tries to answer listener questions which have come up. We have a question today that actually came from the group here, and it was uh, in response, really, to a terrible tragedy in our world that took place in Japan, well known by now in the northeast portion in particular of Japan, uh, the tsunami. The tsunami, of course, is um, in response to an earthquake, and then these uh, terrible waves come and slosh over the shore, and uh, just a tremendous amount of damage and suffering uh, there in Japan. I don't know what, um, certainly the death toll is uh, rising greatly. It seems like every night on the news we hear more and more who have lost their lives, and it's up into the many thousands who have died. One uh, mayor of a small town, uh, and of course Japan's very heavily populated, mm-hmm. so small here is not necessarily what ours is yeah. in population-wise, but he said there there are 10,000 out of 17,000 people missing That's in terrible. his town. That's terrible. And so that's just one. So the death toll uh, will rise and continue to rise uh, because it, you just don't get figures that are very good no. at the beginning. And you guys have probably seen some of the footage. Our son is down at Stony Brook. He sent us a, a link, uh, some of the footage. And uh, the, this was really unusual. It showed a, a car driving on the street trying to outrun this big wave that was coming. And uh, if, if, if it wasn't so tragic, it was actually funny, a little bit part of the footage, trying to outrun a wave. And all of a sudden, the cars just became like little bobbers, you know, like uh, fishing bobbers you used when you were a boy. And so it was just just terrible, just terrible. But all of this makes us think about something, and that is this uh, age-old problem of pain and suffering. Um, and we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we serve an almighty God. And uh, Paul told the Ephesians that he ordains all things whatsoever cometh to pass. Um, and so yet, how do you deal with this? And you guys are pastors. I'm sure that you've thought some of these things through. And, um, in fact, uh, John and Mark, both, you suggested this topic. So uh, let's slowly think it through. It is a difficult topic. C.S. Lewis wrote a book, uh, and the title of the book was The Problem of Pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, in one sense, you can dismiss the problem uh, by demonstrating that God does do his will uh, in all things, and yet at the same time, uh, we also know that human beings suffer, and sometimes we suffer justly and deserve it. Sometimes suffering, from the human standpoint anyway, mm-hmm. seems excessive. Or people look at the suffering of Jesus, and even those who are not Christians sometimes will look at that and say, what kind of God do you serve mm-hmm. uh, that yeah. would, quote, put his son in the position to suffer the way he did? Of course, that... Uh, doesn't mean that the person understands the Bible and mm-hmm. the purpose of mm-hmm. suffering. And I don't want to insinuate by talking about suffering as a problem uh, that uh, Christians ultimately and finally, uh, for them, suffering is really not the problem that it is in uh, other parts of the world, uh, religions. Uh, Buddhism, for instance, that is the main problem. How do you mm-hmm. get rid of suffering? Well, they have a therapeutic path to follow, a cure 
to get rid of suffering. But in Christianity, suffering can be redemptive, as in the cross of Jesus Christ. Yeah. In fact, what's the hymn, Mark? You would know it. In the cross of Christ, thy glory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we're saying that in a real sense, suffering is part of the plan of God. Indeed, it's through his stripes we are healed. Yeah, I think that's one of the important things to understand, that suffering is part of the plan of God. One of the, the things that bothers me is that I, I hear a lot of Christians, a lot of pastors, and I remember the last time uh, we had the tsunami that that killed so many in Indonesia. We had, I remember going to a, a group, a pastoral meeting, the clergy meeting where I, I lived at that time, and almost to a man, they, they suggested that God did not send that tsunami, that God almost, they were almost deists. I almost felt like they were deists, you know. God had stepped back and let the world do what it is, and and this thing happened almost without God's knowledge. And and I, I thought, well, that is, that's mm-hmm. not right. The scriptures are very plain. The scripture you read, Dan, is very plain. God uh, knows these things. Sometimes he permits these things. We have his active will, his permissive mm-hmm. will. But he's involved. He knew exactly uh you know, I don't care whether you call it permissive or, or active will. He knew exactly what the earthquake would do, what the tsunami that right. would come would do, and there wasn't a person lost that he didn't know about. It is it is true that, that uh, we have to say by definition that nothing is out of the power and sovereignty mm. of God. Otherwise, God would not be God. Mm. So that can't be a solution to limit the power and wisdom of God. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just not the way to go. We may not be able to solve the problem from the human standpoint intellectually right. and say, here's the way it all fits together. Yeah. But I can say right. one way not to go is to limit the power and sovereignty and wisdom of the Almighty, uh, who indeed is God. Yeah, yeah. because ultimately our, our peace and well-being rests in his very nature, which yeah. includes his sovereignty. Exactly, but yeah. but uh, as we'll unpack this, I'm sure uh, his sovereignty and his power, though, uh, is not raw. It is uh, uh, sovereignty and power that is coupled with his love and mercy. Love and mercy, but there's also this element of justice. There, we start with the mm-hmm. justice, which comes to his love and mercy, because one of the 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 reasons I, a lot of these pastors I felt felt obligated to say God had nothing to do with it is because why would God do such a thing to so many people? And I think there's a problem right there, and that problem is almost a denial of sin. Mm -hmm. Uh, That that God is not obligated. Yeah. Hold that thought. I see we're up against a break already. (laughs) This is moving fast here today. We've got so much to talk about. You're listening to A Plain Answer. Um, In the past couple of weeks, we've seen the terrible tragedy um, that's occurred in northeast Japan with a tsunami. Uh, Thousands of people lost their lives. Terrible tragedy. And uh, we're talking about that today in, in light of the scriptures and God's sovereignty. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Ellendorf. Joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. We're talking about God's sovereignty, and um, yet we see some tragic things occur uh, in this world, in nature, and um, how do those two relate? And, you know, I want to say right away, this program doesn't mean that we're going to resolve all of this, but we want to work through it a little bit. Now, John, you mentioned something um, very important, as well as you did, Mark, before the break. But first, John, um, you mentioned the love and mercy of God. Um, Could we talk a little bit about that uh, in light of his sovereignty and in in light of tragedies that occur? Well, I don't think you can appreciate the love and mercy of God unless you understand the uh, general rebellion of human people against the Almighty. Mm. Uh, I I was telling Mark during the break, we stand in the same place as Noah's generation. Mm -hmm. Uh, We deserve the the judgment of God. But it is in and through the mercies of God. In fact, there's a wonderful verse uh, where in your judgment pleads the prophet, remember mercy. He does not say that God doesn't have a right to judge but he pleads for mercy. Right. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the mercy and love of God has appeared finally and definitively in the person of Jesus Christ, who took up into himself our suffering. Mm-hmm. He took up into himself our suffering. And the wonderful thing is that it's through his suffering or through his stripes that we've been made whole or healed. So there's a wonderful Christian truth here. We might not be able to unpack it to everyone's satisfaction. Mm-hmm. In fact, if I can just extend my remarks here, revise and extend. I don't think I want to revise, but extend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the book of Job is often uh, introduced at a point like this. Yeah. Uh, the book of Job really doesn't solve this problem, but it certainly poses it. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did Job suffer? Well, 
it doesn't so much address that as it finally, I think, addresses the issue that Job is saved and received in God's love by grace alone. Job yeah. probably thought he was doing God a favor mm-hmm. by sticking with him and being faithful even though he was suffering. He does say, even though you've slayed me, I will serve you. Yeah. But at the end, there's a long, long speech, if you will, from God's side that explains to Job that he is, in fact, more gracious than Job, and he sticks with Job mm. regardless. Mm. Yeah. Yes. That is, Job is a wonderful book. And you're right, you finally get to the end of that, and what do we see is we see uh, God, and Job sees God. and Rightly. You know, the- right, rightly, and, and that's, yeah. And and he, Job even says so, you know, I'd, I'd heard of you, but now I see you. And that's enough for Job. That's enough. But, of course, then God goes on in his mercy and restores uh, his health and his wealth and, and his family. So it's something to see God as who he is. The problem is, I think very often, is we as human beings think we're pretty hot stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. We think we're, we're above it, you know, and, and we need to get to the point like David did in, in Psalm 8, where he says, you know, what is man that you're mindful of him, and the son of man that you even consider him? Mm. And yet, you do. And you've made him a little lower than the angels. Mm-hmm. And so you see that kind of thing where first we have to recognize God owes us nothing except for punishment, really. Mm. You know, I looked at that, again, going back to the the one in Indonesia, my point was, you know, how could God do that? These people deserve that. And my answer is yes. And I and I deserve to be with those people yes, we and be punished it. that because yes. we're sinners. Yes. But then God in his mercy sends Jesus Christ to take that sin. Isn't well, it? there there is a sense in which though uh your answer as a mature Christian is one thing. But you take the average person right. in the pew or out there, and they will never see it entirely that way, and they have an answer, and they're puzzled. Uh, They don't start out from that deep theological truth (laughs) that in Adam we all fell and worthy of of the judgment of God. And and so I think we do need to be able to address this issue, and here's why. When Bertrand Russell, the famous British philosopher, uh, was asked to write an essay why he wasn't a Christian, he wrote... Uh, an essay, Why I Am Not a Christian. And he essentially said this, too much suffering, God, in this world (laughs) to believe in the goodness that you claim that you are just and good. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's an old story where it is said, why didn't Freud believe in God? And the answer was that he would, he says, well, I don't believe in God, but if if there is and I get to heaven, I'll hold up a cancerous bone and ask why. Mm -hmm. So, Regardless, there is that issue in the minds of people, and non-Christians in particular, mm-hmm. in struggle with this. And yeah, and, and one of the, there's a couple answers to that. And of course, one is if you're you're going to be positing what's good and what's evil and right and wrong, then you have to have a lawgiver that determines what's good and what's what's right, and and that of course is God. But the, even more than that is, you know, when he says, "If I get to heaven." I would hold up a cancerous bone and say, why? That in itself points to something else. God's perspective 
is eternal. Now, right now, we're looking at the three score and ten that we have, and even if we make it to 80 or 90 or 100, good grief, your dad's almost 100 years old, isn't he? Mm -hmm. He's getting there. He's getting close. But, you know, that's still a vapor. It's a breath. It's a breath. Methuselah lived 969 years, and it's a breath Mm -hmm. compared to eternity. And so when you look at the suffering that is here, you can easily say, you know, I mean, a lot of times, you know, we look at the suffering that, for example, someone has to go, a woman has to go through in childbirth. Mm -hmm. It's a temporary, short-term suffering for a great reward, right? And that's still not nothing compared to the the brevity of this life here compared with eternity. Well, Russell and Freud's uh, problem is that the, if you will, they judge God by feeble standards. Yeah, you're right. And there's a hymn, God works in a mysterious way. Yeah. And don't judge him by feeble standards. Uh, this is the finite, if you will, judging the infinite. infinite. Mm-hmm. And without the knowledge and the the perspective uh, to know the deep reasons of God. You know, C.S. Lewis is uh, a genius in this area. Mm. When he's dealing with Aslan and the White Witch, he says somewhere in there, and it's been a long time since I uh, read this, but uh, forgive me if I mess up on the edges here. He says uh, uh, concerning Aslan somewhere, it says, I think that that there is a deeper magic, mm-hmm. yeah. or a deeper knowledge, really, what he's saying, yeah. Yeah. than what the white witch can ever dream about or possess. Yeah. And she is totally shocked. She makes makes the bargain, but she doesn't know about the deep, deep knowledge of, uh, of who mm. God is. Now, let's get back to um, the love and mercy of God. Suppose I'm, uh, I'm a fella just uh, walking by on the street. I have no Christian background whatsoever. But I do know that um, there's a God. I kind of, kind of know there's a God, and I know that um, He's better than me because He's God, He's holy, and I also believe that well, He's He's kind of powerful. He's all powerful, but I don't know Him personally through Jesus Christ. Kind of like a common grace approach, and yet I hear about this tragedy over there in Japan. Um, what is this person? It's just a fictitious person, but I think a lot are out there like that. Uh, need to know to help him sort through this? Well, I think what the person needs to know first is the gospel, that mm-hmm. that Jesus Christ came to redeem us, that uh, this world, uh, because of the sin that came into this world, there are going to be earthquakes, volcanoes, tsunamis, hurricanes, tornadoes, all kinds of tragedies. That's as a result of sin. But Jesus Christ came to redeem us from the penalty of sin. He did it by dying on a cross and rising three days later so that we trust in him. He will have eternal life, but not only that, we have the Holy Spirit that helps us. The other thing I think you need to know is that Christians, who are the ones that get there first, they're the ones that when they see suffering, they're the ones that reach out the hand. Mm Mm-hmm. To help, so this fell on the street. He says, "Okay, I hear that about the cross," and he says, "Well, that sounds a little strange. I mean, why did he pick a cross?" But anyway, then he goes on. Okay, I, I can kind of accept that. Okay, it was a cross, but but now let me see here. Why does he have to die? And why why would we say that he had to die? 
Well, much of our uh, knowledge of God, of course, uh, even when we behold a revelation that he has given to us, we we apprehend it sometimes uh, feebly, to use the word again. Uh, But we don't know everything, even through the revelation. Mm -hmm. Some things are reserved for the afterlife. Mm -hmm. I I, I talked to people about the Trinity. I said, uh, I'm not sure that I will even understand the dimensions of the Trinity even when I get to heaven. Mm. But I will know more. And uh, God reveals himself. Well, when it comes to these problems, and they are pastoral problems, why do certain things happen? Uh, I, I can I can approach the question through faith in Christ and the gospel, but I probably cannot come up with some definitive answer that everyone mm. is going to tap into or buy, because all of my arguments, while they are convincing, they're never entirely compelling. Mm-hmm. And so I would I would have to come down to say this, and I've had to do this in the ministry. I've had to say I don't know why. You are going through all the troubles that you are. I know that there is a higher reason and purpose here. God mm. works all things out for his own glory and for our good. I'm confident of that. But on the other hand, I do know this, that there is one who is loved so supremely that he sent his son mm. to into our world to take up our flesh and our sin, and yes, indeed, our suffering. And he died on the cross, and he was humiliated in that process, it's called the humiliation, but it is through that that I can come to know God. Mm-hmm. So suffering is not the the final enemy per se. There is another enemy, mm-hmm. and he is the enemy of our soul, and we are being, through suffering even, delivered uh, from the kingdom of darkness, and mm-hmm. we are translated into the kingdom of light. Mm-hmm. So, So suffering itself becomes redemptive in God's plan. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a tool. It's used. There's a purpose for it. And there's in a other purpose. Words. And yeah. I'll f- know more fully about that purpose when we get to heaven. Yes. Good point. Yeah. I think the Bible it tells us, as, as John had said, we can know uh, some of the answers, but sometimes they're not compelling because what we don't know is the individual things that God is doing in our lives. And, and but He is. Uh, you know, um, we can know certain things about each other. But what God knows about us is so much more detailed. Mm-hmm. He knows the very number of hairs on our head. That's why we have to trust him. And that's why yeah. we trust him. Yes. Yeah. I, I trust indeed that all of these things that we experience, that uh, we, we, we look at and say, why me? Uh, I have to believe, based on Romans 8, that God is working mm-hmm. out his purposes in you a higher to. way. Yeah, you have to. I mean, l- later on tonight, you're going to, to a hospital to visit a dear brother in the Lord who um, is having breathing problems, mm-hmm. and he's faithfully served Christ his whole life. And you'd say, "Wow, why would he have to go through that?" Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, I see we're almost out of time for this edition of a plain answer. Some of our equipment wasn't working too well today. There's a little bit of distortion. I apologize for that, and we will uh, tend to that as soon as our new mixer board comes in. Having said that, um, your input and your questions are very important to us, dear listener. Uh, if you would like to uh, email us, our address is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. That's ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. Uh, we would appreciate your feedback. Any wrap-up thoughts, gentlemen, as we close today? I was just thinking, 
Dan, that God is sovereign over that mixer board, too, that was giving us That's trouble. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, w- I, w- I would just say, again, what we do is we trust in the God who loved us so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die mm. for us. And that's where we've got to go. We don't have answers, but we trust the one who does. I'd like to quote uh, Romans 8. Uh, uh, God works all things for his own good and our glory. How, how does that go? He puts it very better, more eloquently than I do. Uh, <laughs> for we know that all things, things work, work together, together. Yeah. for good. To, to them that, that love God, God and who are called according to his purpose. According to his purpose. I, I, yeah. I think that yeah. right there is where I want to take my stand. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good conclusion. Uh, uh, you know what? I would go ten verses earlier, uh, <laughs> Romans 8.18, 18, where he says, I consider that the suffering of this present time excellent. is not excellent. to be compared with the glory that is to come. Excellent, God. excellent, yeah. yes. Well, dear listener, thank you for tuning our way today. This has been a plain answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. Again, we welcome your feedback. We welcome your questions. Send it to ministry at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. All of these broadcasts are also posted to our website as free MP3 downloads, and they are linked to iTunes. Please join us again next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.